episode 27 of the Knockout Ginger Podcast. I think we'll see which order these get. Really, uh, whatever. Uh, Rebecca Hennessy, trumpet player, band leader, composer, future podcaster. Low energy episode, but we got through it. And you can too. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. What was your starting point? Starting point? Well, the records that we listen to at home, I suppose, it's classic for people to talk about, um, was uh, Chet Baker, Louis Armstrong. Um, my grandpa bought me a Chuck Mangione, Chuck Mangione record when I started playing trumpet in grade six. Yeah, that flugelhorn sound is pretty nice. Uh, but then when I started studying I had a few, I had a trumpet teacher who was inspiring and uh, his name was Norm Porter. He's around um, in Nanaimo, British Columbia. He introduced me to some trumpet, great trumpet players. Um, Clifford Brown. And uh, I don't know if he, no, he didn't introduce me to Lee Morgan. That would have been Kevin Turcott at U of T. Hmm. Um, but I, you know, and then more modern trumpet players. Oh, I was listening to Ingrid Jensen when I was in, in living in Nanaimo growing up because she's also an Nanaimoite. I love her records. Um, yeah. And then when I got to college, I started listening to, uh, yeah, Morley Morgan, Kenny Durham. Um, Lots of people. There's so many. Ralph Alessi. I'm a big fan of Ralph Alessi. John right. McNeil. Um, Ralph Alessi, I think, is the only trumpet player I've heard you talk about. Mm. That's the only person that I can like remember and and uh, whatever. You've you've mentioned him to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the record? I think it's well. I think it's only a single. It's Chet Baker and Clifford Brown. What? And it's called Black and White. Hmm. And I think it was recorded live on a TV show. Uh no. I think they play CTA. I forget what else. Wow. Yeah. I would like to hear that. Scott Lafaro's on it. I think. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that I kind of like Miles Davis, too. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, he's okay. Tolerable. Yeah. All Um, the stages. All the stages. Do you know, we were talking about this at the Rex the other night, and it's like, it's a pretty impossible thing to Google. Um, What's the deal with old milestones and new milestones i don't know this yeah they're just he named the same song or, or he he wrote milestones twice and this is all i know maybe he forgot that he wrote it the first time <laughs> <laughs> and he thought you know what a really good name for a song is milestones 
Yeah. I and mean, then you great. just stood by it. People were like, hey, you know, you know, I think that you wrote that song already. And he's like, no, man. No, I didn't. Yeah. And he was on such a roll stealing other people's songs that he just lost track. He lost track. That's okay. Yeah. Well. He's pretty, he's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Although I hear he wasn't very nice to women. Yeah. So fuck that guy. Yeah. You know, hurt people hurt people for when I read in a book once. Yeah. Not to excuse anything. I'm just, I'm just going there. I don't know. Definitely. And it's a, uh, it's a weird one, I think. Especially for us in this world, in the jazz world. Because so many of the icons were like renegades or or something. Like uh, they made bad, a lot of them made bad decisions. There's a lot of creative, amazing people who make terrible choices. Yeah. Um, but then there's also good ones who do make great choices. Yeah. And they're worth listening to too. For sure. It's confusing times. It's super confusing. But it, we got to make one choice. We got to make the best choices we can at this point. Yeah. And I think maybe the important part or one of the important things is learning that someone can still be good and occasionally do the odd bad thing, vice versa, maybe. Yes. I mean, good people do bad things. Yeah. Bad people do good things. But it doesn't excuse abuse. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know. It's confusing. Like we said, it's confusing times. But I think we can, you can, uh, I think people need to be held accountable for their, yeah. for their bullshit. Yeah. I guess it's like, I, it was a poor way of me saying, uh, separating art from the artist is a possibility or something maybe i haven't decided yeah because you know as a as somebody who enjoys art all yeah. the forms of art um sometimes actually it's um i want to connect with some part of humanity mm -hmm. and if i've learned that that artist is um have it has abused repeatedly their, their sort of their power or held it over somebody else or yeah it really does take away from my enjoyment of the art of their art especially if it's repeatedly that's it yeah kind of turns into a quite a deal breaker you know i don't know i mean i'm picking on miles but yeah. every there's you know you're right there's like yeah. tons of people um and you know it's not like i have a a list of who I'm going to not listen to that day. Yeah. So I'm, I can be totally, uh, um, I can be, uh, what's the word when you go back on what you say? Uh, a hypocrite. I can just go and be like, whatever, I'll just right. listen to that. Um, but it does color my, uh, decision making sometimes for whether I'm going to take it in. But on a positive note, there's a lot of great art out there in Canada these days. Yep. Made by really cool people. 
definitely who deserve their support and listening and uh because you know all any but any artist wants is i think i mean what i want is for people to um take in what i've put out there and have some sort of meaningful relationship with that or with me through my art uh because those connections are important yeah i don't even care about well i mean that would be lovely but thinking that far down the the down the road is like wishful thinking for me i think like i'm just stoked on the uh the idea that like i can occasionally have rooms to to have the option to begin to go down that road and people to do it with mm-hmm. you know like i think that's uh the audience connection it's just like a byproduct byproduct is exactly the word i was looking for mm. it's like a a separate thing that's you mean what's so the enjoyment by an audience is more of an afterthought yeah. or a byproduct yeah maybe yeah what's your why what what's your purpose what's the point for you of making art uh why do you do it it's like the only way well as we just experienced a few seconds ago like i'm not a great communicator and i think it's like the only way that i really know how to get certain things out or something Hmm. certain if it didn't come out that way it would never come out kind of thing I think. Oh, you think it would never come out? I don't think so. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure. But, like, I, I just sort of learned that, like, some of my best experiences making music have been in empty rooms. Right. So I learned pretty quickly, I think, that uh, the audience is not a totally necessary part of the equation for me. Cool. Do you disagree or do you? No, I mean, that's your experience. I mean, mean, yeah. Disagree is a, like a harsh word, but (laughs) you have a different experience. Um, I, yes, I think so. I mean, I've had, I've had great experiences, uh, playing music to nobody, but it's not to nobody because it's for me and it's for the band. It's, you know, there's something happening. There's energy being shared and sort of a space being, you know, where you're being seen and heard which is actually really powerful and we should value that. Um, and first of all, also the need for connection with other, with people is in our, it's wired. You know, we can tell ourselves that we don't need other people because that can be a bit of a survival mechanism. Although some of us like maybe have a need a bit more alone time, but I think ultimately, I think from the reading I've done and from my own experiences and realizing what I actually need, to feel most myself is to connect with people. And I do that through music. So first of all, I suppose connecting with my bandmates, my friends through with music is immediately satisfying. And that could be in an empty room or in a jam space. And then, and then if we have that connection when we're making the music, then hopefully the audience that is there, if there is one, and I'm lucky enough to play to audiences fairly regularly that they're 
it's really satisfying when people are feeling the music as well. And not they're not just feeling the music, but they're feeling the connection between the musicians on stage. And we're connecting with them. So nobody's nobody's left out and there's no hierarchy. It's just happening. And the, that sort of connection is very powerful, not to be taken lightly. And it's, it's healing. Uh, it's joyous. It's like, it's the point. Mm-hmm. Right. I also didn't mean to uh, lightly skim over the the importance of the like interband connection. Oh, I didn't think you were. Yeah. I did not think you were. That's definitely a, that connection. Maybe is important. you and I know that inherently with each yeah. other playing with each other. That's like I know that about you, but we don't have to talk about it because yeah. obviously. But that's definitely like a a human connection that I need. Sure. I mean, I guess. I know the feeling of like, and this may not be true for you, but needing to, is it mitigating the disappointment? Is that, would mitigation be a word that you would use? Like I might mitigate the, or like push away my own want or need for like people to show up at my gigs because as a way of self-protection or something, um, protecting my ego or whatever, or my soft, soft soul. Uh, mm. But I think that I do have, I, I do feel disappointed when I'm playing to nobody for my own gigs. Like if I'm the band leader and pe- no, nobody shows up, I feel sad because yeah. I want, I want to, I want people to care about what I'm doing. Yeah. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah, for sure. So I, yeah. I feel that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I feel when I'm playing and it's my band and the room's empty, I mostly feel sad for the people that I ask to play with me. Mm. Yeah, maybe I also feel like that a, way too. A res- like uh, so- somewhat of like a responsibility Yeah, that I, it's my fault that the room's empty to a certain degree. Right. Um, it's kind of a heavy burden, right? Yeah, I think so. Not to put words in your mouth. It Yeah. There's I guess the bur- the burden I'm sort of yelling about is is the burden of yeah it is our fault when we're the band leaders and people don't come out yeah but you can't make people come to your show yeah this is the other thing because you know um, the people that are coming to my show are also my friends and band mates from other projects and it's a bit of a incestuous circle yeah in a you know loving legal way yeah this is the uh (laughs) so this is part of what i really like about winona is that um there's zero walk by because if you there it's only the only people that come to that are people who specifically would like to see your music Uh which i think is like it's so great Mm mm-hmm considering i mean i think it's been amplified since i've been working at the rex and playing at the transact the odd time you get like strangers in off the street who just wanted a place to talk with their friend Mm -hmm. while you're playing music and like that doesn't exist at winona right but on the other side of it you're a band leader and you have an empty room in front of you yeah so I don't know, but also back to what you said about the, uh, 
I'm fried. I forget the word you used, but it was somewhere along the lines of defense mechanism. Uh, right, mitigating? Uh, uh, or just like... A safety mechanism. Is that right. what you said? Yeah, defense mechanism. Def- I don't, uh, yeah. Who knows? But I think it could be. Right. Well, we all have we all have them in place. Yeah. Whatever they are, for whatever reason, it's all good. Yeah. But I, th- I think also that sort of, uh, I don't know if it's a defense mechanism or if it's like a, um, there has to be like a fearless thing or like a, like I think not caring if people are there or is, it, it's, it's something to do with, it's complicated, but I think there's something there with like uh, taking chances and not, not needing approval or something. Oh yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sure. It's a fine line between, (laughs) there's a very fine line between being uh, a coward with defense mechanisms and uh, an artist with a risk taking Fearless abandon? Yeah, or something. I don't know. Where where is the line? I have no idea. And does it matter? Nope. (laughs) It doesn't matter. And that's all for today. (laughs) (laughs) It don't matter what it is. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Michael and I, uh, my husband Michael Herring and I, we talk about the what's the point about you know making in regards to making art, especially in the sort of society where it is harder to get people to pay for your music, and you know the the usual the usual comments about that and how do we make a living as artists and but you should be so lucky because you get to play for a living, but I think that you know. I think there is value and there is, we need to place more value on, uh, on the arts and stuff. And it's, it's hard to remember what the point is sometimes when you're trying to pay rent or whatever you're trying to do, you know, but I think, I think we need to figure out a way to, um, connect with our deepest needs through making the art or whatever that is and connect with other people through that. I, well, that's, I'm only to speak for myself. That's what I want to do. I mm-hmm. want to connect with people through making music, writing it, performing it. Yeah. I agree. Everything's so complicated. <laughs> it is, but uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. Are you, are you hopeful? Yeah, definitely. It's okay for not. I'm, I'm not trying to like, you know, totally you hopeful. Have, feel like you have to say that or anything um there's like a a totally new uh optimism in my life i think congratulations thank you it's like like since i moved well not since i moved back here but since i have uh found a job and got out of my parents house Mm -hmm. and um realized kind of like how Toronto's not a super easy place to live, but it's uh, so much easier than being a non-American in America trying to live. Right. So, like, the fact that I can work a part-time job and pay my rent and spend a lot of time focusing on my art has, like, just cranked up the old optimism vent or whatever, optimism machine. That's good. That's really nice to hear. But 
some days it's hard, I think. Yeah. But I think the hopefulness, especially being around the people in Toronto right now that are here, I think it's a, it's all a very good thing. Yeah. Um, I reference it a lot. Bill Smith told me recently that it's the golden age of Toronto music. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, com- that's a lot yeah. coming from famous Mr. Smith. Yeah. Love that guy. The best. Yeah. I mean, I feel positive about our community and the people in it. It's like, it's a, it's a glowing, warm, loving place. We have to nurture that. Yeah. Nurture that shit. Feels good. Yeah. I remember to get outside and walk. That's a good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, yesterday. Yesterday. Um, it was sunny yesterday, right? Um, yes. Everything is... I think so. Yeah, I believe it was. I'm actually. losing my mind. Um, I was feeling kind of weird and just off. And then I went to hockey and uh, I walked to the corner of the street in the sun mm. with my hockey bag on my shoulder. And I got, I was just, just being outside for a couple minutes in the sun. I was like, oh, everything's fine. This is great. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to hockey. That's so a the, good feeling. Yeah. The, uh, the go outside and walk is an important thing also, I think. Well, there's something also like scientifically about, you know, alpha waves or something in your brain when you're doing something kind of repetitive, like, like, uh, moving your body mm. in a slow or like a steady pace some sort of brain waves that happen that is pretty good for you. And then you're also getting your blood moving. Science tells you to move. Yep. Uh, do you get any of this from trumpet or is that not enough moving? Uh, trumpet is good for, you know, it, yeah, I, I think I, sometimes I'll be like, ugh, I don't want to do long tones right now. But then I go do them and I'm like, I feel better. Yeah. I want to play more trumpet. Right. So that's something. It's like meditative or something. Yeah. Are you a big, have, or have you always been a big practicer or do you do that a lot? Like, well, if you have the trumpet, if you pick that stupid trumpet yeah. as your instrument, you have to play it every day. Yeah. It's like a, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not like a saxophone player practicer. Like I, you know, there's a bit of a disadvantage there with how much you can actually do. Right. Some trumpet players may disagree, but um, at some, some points I was practicing a lot every day. And, uh, I gig enough and, but I have to do a routine every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you practice a lot? Not really. There Can was a time that get I away did. with that. Get away with that on the bass. Uh, I, well, I guess I should rephrase that. I do. I do like the trumpet thing. It's probably not quite as intense as a trumpet player. But oh, but I, you do like a but routine. But I feel like there's a maintenance thing that has to happen. Right. But aside from. callus, you got to keep up. Yeah. Aside from that, I haven't like, I haven't really, really practiced in a long time. Aside from like, I, w- I don't know what counts as practicing. I play a lot. That's and great. I, and I just improvise a lot, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never been a huge practicer, I don't think. Some people practice in their heads. Yeah. I, uh, I'm getting better at it. Mm. I can kind of do it a bit. 
um, of course, physicality you can't practice in your head, but right. I could practice music by thinking about it a little bit, which is pretty cool. Yeah. When I started getting to that point, I'm like, I felt pretty elated. Oh, I can do, I could do that now. That's good. I don't remember when it happened, but you know, think about a tune and remember how it goes and figure it out. I don't need my horn for that because I've heard the song enough times to know mm. how, to, how it goes. That's something I should do more. Probably know more tunes if I just sat down and thought about them once. <laughs> um, I also enjoy playing the piano, so I, yeah. like, I'm i not great at the piano, but I like to uh, hack out some tunes occasionally. Um, I've been, I've always had this idea, like, uh, this is, I don't want this. I love this so much that I don't want to ruin it. Mm-hmm. So I've never been, uh, I've never forced myself to practice. Mm-hmm. It's always been like, uh, if I want to play, I'll play all day. If I don't want to play, I won't touch it. Sometimes the bass doesn't come out of the case for days, mm. but so I don't know. Yeah. And then, so, and then immediately I regret it, but that's just how it goes. Well, yeah, you got, we all have our, like our flow, you know? Did you move here for school? Yeah. Is that how, okay. From Nanaimo, Um, Nanaimo, British Columbia. I moved in 2003. Um, and was it your, your, you moved as like a freshman first year? No, I did two years of college at, so I did a two-year diploma in mm-hmm. jazz performance, and then I transferred to second year. So you and Michael both moved here at the same time, or? No, he was here before me. He's uh, a bit older than I am, and uh, mm-hmm. and then he was done his undergrad uh, before I started Well, I don't know. I'm going to tell you a few things before, just so that we don't miss these things. Um, I have a new record coming out with uh, my all my songs, and I'm singing. It's a makeshift island record. That's my band. Called, that's what we're called, Makeshift Island, featuring Kevin Bright, Tanya Gill, Michael Herring, Dave Clark, Tom Richards on it too. Amazing. And uh, did I miss anybody? And uh, that's, yeah, it's a full record of songs. It's me singing. Sweet. I always miss Makeshift Island because I'm at the Rex on Sundays. Right. Well, maybe we'll play the Rex some, some Sunday so you can see us. That would be perfect. It'd be pretty cool, for me. actually. <laughs> and uh, Way North has a new record. It's in the can. We recorded it last year. And uh, that's exciting. And then... Um, Fog Brass Band is my other band that we haven't played in a while, but I got to write some new music for that. We're going to be playing possibly at the Something Else Festival in Hamilton this coming summer. Sweet. That's so, the first time I heard you play. Oh, really? With Fog. In, at the Transac? At uh, Toronto Jazz Fest. Whenever. Oh. Uh, you were playing outside. 
cool. Um, it was right around the time that uh, I contacted you for the first Northern Danger gig. Right. Cool. Well, I derailed this. You were talking about... No, oh. that's, that's perfect. Oh. It's a perfect uh, segue. That's cool. Yeah, my band plays at gigs like the Toronto Jazz Festival. Must be nice. <laughs> uh, it's nice to play a gig. Yeah. Uh, you. So there's a Fog record coming out? Also? No, we have a record already. It's called Two Calls. Yeah. We're never making another one. Just kidding. We <laughs> will. We will. Uh, I have to write some new music first. But uh, like Tom Richard says, he's in the band. He plays trombone. You don't have to write a whole book of new music to play a show. And mm-hmm. I said, thanks for that, Tom. So I'm going to book us some shows. It took me a while to figure that out. Yeah. And somehow I, I always knew that. But it took me a while to actually put that into practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, I haven't written a new song. It's so, not true. You wrote um, Ballad. That was new. It's old, though. It's like very old. Is it? Yeah. I just, you have, just brought it. It's new to me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just have never... The last gig we played was my first time ever playing my own music with a piano player and i felt like that was a specifically a piano song cool nice so that's why that one came out of the out of the vault Hmm. maybe i'll never write anything ever again isn't that what we all think sometimes yeah how does uh how do you do the way north stuff how do we write it yeah does everyone Uh, just bring something yeah we each bring in tunes that are basically composed already mm-hmm. and then we arrange it as a band to see what will what will work out the best generally lead sheet style mm-hmm. tunes um yeah so it's pretty great because everyone uh there's a vibe in the band the way we write or the way we play together it lends itself really well to certain kind of writing mm-hmm. and we all know so we're like oh Here's some new tunes. So last uh, last year when we last winter when we went out and did a, a bunch of shows, we had this whole book of new music, and it was really cool. Um, and we don't, basically don't rehearse, so it's kind of got to be not too intricate. We just gotta like, but we're all pretty good readers and uh, make good music together. It's a beautiful thing. It is, and it's like you have a strong. There's a strong vibe. Like you can tell it's a band, which is the best. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome that you can feel that. I mean, I feel it. I feel lucky. Mm-hmm. It's so lucky to uh, find people that you enjoy making music with. It's the best. It is the best. So our gig is uh, coming up, you and I. Yep. Tuesday. March 10th. Right? That's yep. the month, March. The number is 10 at 9 or 9.30? Or 8 or 8.30? 9-ish. 9-ish? 9-ish, I guess. Winona Bar. Yep. That's a fun place. It's a fun band. Please come. <laughs> great um, music. Well, you guys make it great. We all make it great. It's like a... You're not excluded from this equation. Thank you. I hope you're not doing that thing where you're excluding yourself. 
Because it's your music. Kind of am excluding excluding myself. Um, Why do you do that? It's like uh, I because I give like full full freedom. I don't write much stuff down, and mm-hmm. to my ears, all the good stuff happens when uh, you all just do what you want. You know. Mm-hmm. It's a very fun feeling to feel like you're a band leader and also just along for the ride. It's awesome. Yeah. That's... <laughs> it's great. It's like it's like cheat codes in video games. Just hire a bunch of people that I think sound awesome and I want to hang out with. And I just stand in the back and have a nice view. Nice. You know? That's what I do with my bands. I... I think that you got to give yourself a bit more credit. Otherwise, I mean, I think as a band leader too, what you're providing is not just a few notes on a page and saying that it's barely music. I don't know if that's what you're saying, but I'm hearing you not give yourself enough credit for the sketches you bring in or the melodies that you bring in because they are ultimately the gravitational pull that's happening for the music to take place it's keeping us in a in orbit with each other possibly and the space that you provide as a band leader for that to happen is equally as important as it is to write down those notes intention is more powerful than something (laughs) all right noted I'm improvising, so I think um, it makes sense. We'll we'll find yeah. out when we l- listen back. Um, uh, do you have an opinion on guitar versus piano? And I know this is, we could get into some, we're talking about people and our friends also. So I might be putting you in an awkward position, but. I hate all guitar players. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love I love them equally. They're both my babies. Uh, I'm sorry, what's the question? Uh, just if you have an opinion on my music with guitar versus Your piano. music? I like them both. Seriously, though. Um, it's about the energy of the people and what's happening in the moment. Uh, playing with Chris Pruden was really great. Mm-hmm. Playing with the guitar players that, we've played, that I played with in your group have been great. Um. Yeah, it's awesome. I I get a sense though that you have a preference. I don't know. Okay, I'm not sure. I used to really like guitar because of how sort of like ambiguous that instrument can sound. Mm-hmm. Opposed to piano, like to my ears anyway piano player plays something mm-hmm. and that automatically becomes the reference point right or something it had, like it has more gravity in yeah. a way yeah tonally or harmonically. Uh, so i think somehow chris does a good job of avoiding that a little bit okay dancing around it a little bit more and also uh we sound more like a for lack of a better term a jazz band with a piano, I think. Mm-hmm. 
and I think I w- I've, without realizing it, I was a little bit self-conscious of uh, the way I write and having guitar players. We, to me, we sort of felt like just kind of just a weird rock band sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not that there's cool. anything wrong with either thing, mm-hmm. but I think that. Uh, there's a little bit ro- more room for us to, uh, th- I hate that I'm about to say this. There's a little bit more room for us to jazz. To jazz? With a piano, I cool. think. Mm-hmm. I like it as a verb. Uh, I'm not sure if I like <laughs> it as a verb. <laughs> uh, um, cool. Do you like that you're able to jazz with the piano? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've only done one gig, but... The way that Chris plays, though, is also... Yeah, he's also just, like, the best, so... He's got a lot of colors that he can use and... Yeah. Space. Tara warned me about this. Who did? Tara. Tara, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's certain musicians that you're like, oh, yeah, it's not even about the instrument. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're amazing. Michael Davidson's like that. You know, you can just, I don't know. There's just something that's different about certain people, certain musicians. Yep. Uh, Tara said, uh, he's probably going to be in your band now. <laughs> <laughs> but this was before the gig. Oh, nice. And she just said, like, that's just what happens to him. Uh, he gets called to like sort of sub for someone and then he's in because he f- just finds this way of fitting in. I think that's a good musician. That's a, that's a yeah. very, and he's special. He's special. Yeah. Chris, you're special. Tara's special too. Yeah. She's great. Everyone's special. I mean, no, not everyone's special because then takes away from calling someone special. I mean, I think a lot of our friends are special. Yeah. For sure. We have a good community of really cool people. If I can be so bold as to say that, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again. Fucking love you, everybody. Speaking of specials, you should check out Maria Bamford's special, special, special. She's a comedian. Yeah. She's Uh, my favorite. I saw a clip on Instagram. Cool. I thought it was pretty funny. That's an old special, by the way, but she's got a new one coming out. Oh. Called uh, Weakness is the Brand or Weakness is My Brand. One of my favorite um, stand-ups recently is Nate Bargatze. Have you checked him out? Nope. The funniest. Um, he's got a 15-minute on Netflix or th- half an hour. I don't, it's, it's a short one. It's in the, it's the first season of the standups. Mm-hmm. And then he's got an hour special on there also. Nice. Very funny. Comedy is so inspiring. I mean, yep. it's so vulnerable. I think it's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. That's why, uh, I'm kind of starting to, uh, model my, whatever whatever this is off business plan career whatever mm-hmm. of comedians cool just like get really hungry and like 
maybe drink too much <laughs> and try not to abuse anybody though please <laughs> just like I mean, mostly okay. like wait a minute <laughs> podcasting and like always posting short clips of gigs on the internet just trying to make it so uh just trying to do all the things cool because you hear them talk about especially the LA comics about how um like years ago maybe 10 years ago you would, they would I'll be at the comedy store and there would be no audience and now since all of their podcasts took off it's like packed every night and like all the hotshot comedians are are there like every single night Hmm. um and they've just like built up this whole thing for themselves and it sort of reminds me of hearing them talk about it uh it sort of reminds me about how i feel the transac is right now Mm -hmm. because there's three different rooms just like the comedy store and it's often empty and no one's super paying a lot of attention to us as improvising musicians off in the corner at the moment doing our thing i don't know it's just sort of like resonated yeah cool so that's kind of how this happened podcasts are cool i listen to uh mental illness happy hour uh with he's a comedian uh i'll look it up i can't it's on my thing but it's called it's a podcast it's you can find it on uh, whatever streaming wherever you get your podcasts um it's uh paul gilmartin yeah and uh it's pretty cool i mean i'm i'm into mental health and i go to therapy and i love it i recommend it for all of our friends because i mean who doesn't want to talk to somebody somebody who knows how to listen and mirror the stuff you're saying. That's why I do this. Yeah, exactly. It's like very powerful. Uh, I think, you know, it would be great. I think. What? Uh, if you and Michael had a podcast. We are going to start one or he's, he was going to do it on his own at least, but I might barge my way in. We'll see. Uh, called what's the point. Great. Don't steal at anybody or I'll break your kneecaps. <laughs> uh, welcome back to episode 26 of What's the Point? <laughs> <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, I mean, individually, you would both, I encourage you both to just have podcasts, but I think uh, a married couple that work in the same industry uh would have a very interesting uh podcast i think i think you're i think you're right and i think we're going to start tomorrow yeah people who live together and work together a lot and work separately in the same industry it'd be lot. like marriage counseling yeah and a lot of other things i think <laughs> but like uh tom segura and his wife christina pajitsky mm-hmm. both comedians they have a podcast together and it's awesome. It's called Love and Marriage. It's called Your Mom's House. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I think it's the biggest podcast besides Rogan. Whoa. Yeah. And they're a network at this point. 
they have four other podcasts in their studio. Holy smokes. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for the suggestion and encouragement. We all need encouragement. I encourage you to keep writing songs and keep booking the band that I play in. Will do. Once I, um, for lack of a better term, I'm going to start being a real band dad. Nice. Uh, Michael would be proud. After, like, after a few more, uh, a few more months at Winona, uh, and maybe a few more new tunes slid in, I think I'm going to start making some moves. Do you like comedian Tignatero? Mm-hmm. Your timing is like hers. My, my lack of timing? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Your use of space is like, reminds me of Tignatero in, in a really good way. Thank you. And I, I really dig what she does. And therefore, I think what you're doing is great. Don't ever change. <laughs> uh, I've I've gotten some negative feedback. Don't we regarding all? my timing? <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That was perfect. Uh, what? Well, have you? <laughs> did you maybe have Have you listened to the Nick Fraser episode that I did? No, but he's got lots of good pauses in his in his uh, flow. The, yeah. Generally, between the two of us, uh, that was a pretty uh, quiet episode. <laughs> <laughs> you might say there were some some traumatizing pauses. Welcome back to episode twenty six <laughs> of the Knockout Ginger Podcast. You know what I've always wanted to do. Uh, uh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> you sound like Mike Murray. <laughs> How so? Uh, he always does that in front of the microphone. Uh, he like waves his saxophone in front of it. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>